Greetings in the name of the one who is worthy of all our praise and honor and thanksgiving and glory. Again, I uh, also want to extend a special welcome to everyone here today, uh, and a special welcome to Daniel and Brenda, certainly a testament to the power of prayer. So may the Lord be with us as we continue in our, our worship here this morning. I want to talk about the long wait. You know, the Bible tells us that, uh, it says, knowing this, James tells us this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And a lot of times, uh, this trying of our faith is waiting. If you want to find out how long 15 minutes is, just wait on someone for 15 minutes that's supposed to have been there and hasn't shown up, and you have a lot of things at stake. 15 minutes can be a long time. If we're doing what we enjoy, 15 minutes goes really fast. But when we're waiting, you know, um, we are, we are often tested. Paul says in Romans 8.25, but if we wait, if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And I want to come back to that at the end of this meditation. You know, we're in the season right now that reminds us of the birth of our Lord. And it's, a, it's an event that the world had been waiting for for a long time. And we heard about that already this morning, approximately 4,000 years from the time that, that God told Eve that her seed would bruise the head of the serpent. And her first son that was born, she says, surely this has to be him. Uh, but it went a long time after that. It was an event that had been promised and prophesied for many, many years. Uh, God renewed that promise to Abraham when he said that through his seed would all the nations of the earth be blessed. Well, you know, God had promised Abraham a son, but how long did he have to wait? He had waited until it was humanly impossible to have a son. Sarah was 90 years old. Abraham was 100 years old. Still no son. God waited or caused them to wait until there was no hope. And then he gave them a son. And uh, uh, I'm sure that Abraham and Sarah both had their faith tested during those times. And when God finally said, okay, the time has come, Sarah laughed. Absurd. A 90-year-old woman having a son? Unheard of. Well, as we think about the coming of Jesus, <clears throat> you know, the Bible tells us in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, you know, God knew all along when that was going to be, and to him, you know, if one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, and so time was not an issue. 
But God had a plan. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Wonderful truth there in those verses. Now, we are those who are awaiting the fulfillment of the promise that he will come again. Uh, Lyle touched on that a little bit this morning. And uh, in Hebrews 9, verse 28, he says, Unto them that look for him, that look for his appearing, uh, or for them that look for him, he shall appear the second time. And so we are looking for him. And he says he will appear the second time. And he reaffirmed that many times over, and not only the words of Jesus, but also the words of the apostles that followed. And as the uh, disciples were there on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus ascended up into heaven, and there were those two men in white who appeared beside them. And they said, this same Jesus, which you have seen go into heaven, is going to come again. As you have seen him go, so shall he come again. And so that's the promise we're waiting for. And now it's been, what, 2,000 years? Over 2,000 years since that promise was given. Jesus says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, uh, you know, the scoffers are saying today, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Things just go on year after year. It hasn't come back yet. Is he going to come back? Is, his, is he going to keep his promise? You know, it's our hope that he will. And we're waiting for it to be fulfilled. We're waiting for it to become a reality. Well, so the question is, why does the Lord use this method for working in our lives? Because it is a work. If you've ever had to wait for something important, it can make you sweat. You know, it's a work. Why does God use this method for working in our lives? Waiting can be hard, yet it's used by God for a very special purpose. What is that purpose? Well, you know, Abraham, he waited till he was 100 years old. But what does the Bible say about Abraham? Uh, Abraham was just not sitting there doing nothing during that long wait. But Abraham's faith moved him to obey the word of God. And he went through some very other very severe trials as well, like offering his son Isaac. Mary and Martha waited at least two days after they sent the message to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Well, this was an emergency. Have you ever rushed to the hospital with the four ways 
flashing and you arrive there at the emergency room finally and you, this is an emergency and then you wait, what, two hours before anyone even comes to look to see what's wrong with you or the person or your loved one. Maybe five hours even. It's long. It seems like a long time. Well, here, here uh, Mary and Martha had sent this word that uh, Lazarus was sick. And Jesus waited two days before he told his disciples, well, you know, it's, uh, let's go back to Bethany. And, uh, and uh, they inquired about this. And Jesus says, well, uh, Lazarus sleeps. And they said, well, this must be a good thing because when you sleep after you're, when you're sick, then that means you're probably getting better. But uh, he said, no, Lazarus is dead. And so um, to them, it seemed too late. Yeah, Lazarus died now, so why rush back? And uh, as he came there into Bethany and uh, met, Martha there outside, and, and she, uh, she says, my brother's dead. If you had, would have been here, you could have healed him. You could have done something about it, but you didn't come. Now he's dead. Four days in the grave, you know, the situation was beyond hope. He was dead four days in the grave. No hope. You're too late. But then a miracle occurred, and Jesus came, and there was a marvelous resurrection. What do you think this experience did to Mary's faith and Martha's faith? Well, as we look at Martha's life following this test of her faith, she was there. She was there and she was there. Wherever Jesus went, Mary was there. All the way to the cross, to the grave. She was the first one there to witness his resurrection. You know, by waiting sometimes, our faith is tested and strengthened. God shows and proves his faithfulness in the final fulfillment of his promise. And we've experienced that in life. We've experienced that a number of times in life. You know, waiting isn't easy. God used the number 40 in Bible typology to illustrate this testing of our faith. And I'm going to test you a little bit this morning. The number 40 is used in the Bible as the number of testing. How many times, where do we find this, this used? Uh, how many times do we find in the Bible where Jesus or where God used the number 40 to test his people or to test someone? 
Okay, Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness fasting, and uh, Satan came to him and tempted him. It was a time of testing. Okay, children of Israel in the desert, 40 long years in the desert. You know, the little boy comes to his daddy and says, um, Daddy, I thought we were going to the promised land. You know, and here we are still in the desert. Why? Well, we know there's another 40 that comes into play here. What was that one? 40 days the spies were in Canaan spying out the land. And they came back. And only two had a good report. Ten had an evil report. They faltered in their faith. And God said, okay, for one year for every day, I'm going to teach you something about faith. For 40 long years, they wandered in the wilderness being tested and tried. Finally, they did enter the promised land. God did keep his promise, but it was after 40 long years. Okay, what else? Okay, 40 days and 40 nights, it rained and it stormed. Well, you know, uh, how, long was, uh, how long were they waiting there in the ark until the rain started finally coming? You know, for 120 years, uh, Noah was there building the ark and preaching that there's going to be a flood. Then they go into the ark, what, seven days? I think it was seven days, and nothing happened. Seven days can be an awful long time when you're waiting like that. Well, finally it came, and then there was 40 days and 40 nights that it rained. Okay, what else? Any other 40s? How many days was Goliath challenging the armies of Israel? 40 days, wasn't it? 40 days he was out there challenging the armies of Israel and defying the God of Israel. And finally, David came and slew the giant. Elijah, you know, he ate that after the, uh, after the victory on Carmel. And then uh, Jezebel threatened his life. And he says, I'm the only one here anymore. I'm the only one left. God says, no, there's still the 4,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And he took him there to the brook, and he fed him by the raven. And then he uh, went 40 days on that meat and to Mount uh, Sinai, to Horeb. And there God spoke to him, not in the fire, not in the wind, but in the still small voice. Yeah, so uh, we have that number 40 used often. Uh, in, in the scripture as the uh, uh, testing of our faith. What does God want us to do while we are waiting? Well, we think of Moses on Mount Sinai. You know, he was up there for a long time. And finally, they started saying, what has become of this man, Moses? Um, and... Uh, and finally, uh, they said, you know what? I, don't, I wonder if he's ever going to come back. 
And the Bible says that they sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. And when Moses returned, they were totally unprepared and they were found uh, in a compromised situation. So I think that's something that we can think about when we think about the promise of his coming. The Lord is going to come again. He said he will, and we all believe that he will. And so what, uh, what does the Bible say that we should be doing while we're waiting? Certainly not sitting down to eat and drink and rising up to play. But he says, uh, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So that means that we should be focusing on the things of God. We should be exposing ourselves to preaching. We should be exposing ourselves to fellowship and encouraging one another, exhorting one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. When James says the trying of our faith worketh patience, he's talking about endurance, not giving up. And uh, Jesus says that even though at the end time that we shall be hated of all men for his name's sake, he says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So the time is not getting any easier, but the day is getting closer. And we can, uh, we can rejoice in that thought. I'm going to conclude here by reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. To 19. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. For so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong cons we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So let's not cut that anchor rope, that anchor of hope that we have, that Jesus is coming again, and we want to be ready when he comes.